to Digital Transformation with Jack Marr and Jay Mata. Digital Transformation is about so much more than technology. It's about refocusing on people and value. It's about leveraging technology to build more meaningful relationships and enabling and empowering our associates, building engagement and giving them the tools and opportunity to do what they do best and even do it better. It's about culture, relationships, and tools that can unlock customer obsession in an organization. It drives innovation and responsiveness that propels your organization and delights your stakeholders, creating and building relationships founded on value, creation, and delivery. We're going to talk with James Bruni again, Hoda Alshami next, talk about how a small company to mid-sized company with especially one with 10 or fewer IT folks can make the transition to Agile. And James does a great job of walking through what it means to do an Agile transformation. And it's really not about money. You can really do it on a shoestring. And then we hear from Hoda, who talks about what they did during Hurricane Harvey, because they had done exactly what James talked about. And they were able then to change the app and their business rules so that folks that were in Hurricane Harvey could submit their claims and get help. We're also going to hear from Whitestone Consulting today and Andrew Kingery's 20 laws that govern value creation. Oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. I love those 20 laws. We talked about that a little bit on the first episode, too. Um, But yeah, yep, definitely, Andrew. Here we go. Welcome to Digital Transformation with Jack Marr and Jay Mata. Today, we've got James Brunig with us from Ascend Integrated. Ascend is a Atlassian partner and consulting firm here in Central Ohio with a ton of experience in this space. So welcome, James. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, Jack. Thanks for having me on. And Jay, yeah, it's good to have you on. I, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm looking to learn more about this and try to see how we can help break it down. So tell us really about who you are, James, and your background and What exactly do you do so our audience can get a scope of this? Sure. Our company is partner with Atlassian. So we help companies implement Jira software and Jira service desk. And uh, we help companies kind of scale up. So if they've never had a service desk before, or if they have really old software, or if they're new to agile, we help them implement that within their company or uh, government organization. And if you're going from 50 people up to 200 people, or if you're a company that's been around for a long time and you're, you're looking to try to, to become more efficient and be with some of the newer processes that are out there, we help you do that. I've consulted for several different companies, both in Ohio and outside of Ohio, and I am a certified Scrum Master, and I also have certifications through Atlassian, and I've also worked with ServiceNow as before, too. So I, I've got kind of a, a different experience of working with lots of companies and lots of different kinds of software. The right kinds of technologies, the right kinds of roles. So you're really in a good position to help folks uh, beef up what they are not good at and and implement things that they're not doing. Yep. It sounds like he's been there, gone there, and got the T-shirt to prove it too, Jack. Yeah. Right. (laughs) T-shirts. So so let me me ask you this. So when you talk about this, and you're throwing out some pretty cool phrases here that I'm going to wrap my head around also too, but for those of our audience that's listening into this, is there generally a, a minimum size company that really is going to say, okay, this is this is our minimum threshold before they can really get value out of our services? I would say no, because I would say the sooner you start thinking about scaling your business up, you could have five people and already start to work on Scrum teams. 
you could use a, a service desk, like for example, Jira service desk. Well, I think is free for under 10 people, for example, if you use the cloud service desk. So you can start very early with using software. You know, if you want a scrum board, there's like Trello, for example. You know, so there you can already start using the software and the practices, even if you're a very small team. And the sooner you start doing that, the easier it's going to be to scale up when you start taking on more people and become a larger company and it starts to become a more complex business model. So when you talk about that they could be a small team even, you know, can you just describe, you mentioned the word scrum a couple of times. Can you let us know for us out here that what is what exactly does that mean or relate to? Sure. In general, to be more general, we have Agile, which is an iterative way of building something. It, it, in, in our field, we focus more on software, but really you could kind of apply that more generally to a project of some kind that you have that you're working on. But you know, the goal is to try to get something built within a small period of time. And, and for most people, that's two weeks. So with a Scrum team, the goal is that we are constantly interacting with each other and deciding what items to prioritize within each, you know, for example, two week period. And each person has a different role in the team. Like you might have someone who's a developer, you might have someone who's a scrum master, and you might have someone who is a tester. And everybody knows what work they need to do. They know what is the priority to work on. And we're able to get feedback quickly to get that put into the new version of something. And that could be for example, a software release that you're doing every two weeks to fix bugs, or it could be a larger application that you're looking to launch in two months. So you've got a semi-working application after two weeks. It's really about being able to deliver more quickly and focusing on what it is you deliver, as opposed to in the past, we, uh, particularly in, in mid to larger organizations, really focused on creating documentation. We wrote requirements. We identified specifications. And we tried to capture all of that up front. And there was an understanding, but we kind of accepted that we didn't know everything, but we were going to pretend like we did. So by breaking this up into smaller pieces of work and taking a teamwork approach where folks can contribute in the way that makes the most sense for the team and tackling the work as a team instead of individuals really builds an opportunity to be collaborative, to include the folks that are looking to inherit this work, being more involved throughout the process. So they learn about what some of their options are that they may not have considered, or together they learn that what they originally thought were some of the requirements turn out not to be what they actually want at all. And to your point, it doesn't have to be software. We usually think about it in software, but a little over a year ago, IBM, the head of their marketing organization announced they were going to change the way they work. And so their marketing organization is purely agile today as well. So it doesn't have to be software, but we usually think about it that way. But when you come into these companies, James, what's usually the biggest challenge or problem that you have? A lot of the kinds of customers that we work with, some of them have been around for a long time. You know, they could be an organization that's been in existence for 100 years. And sometimes you have people that are used to, to doing things the way they've always been done. Right. Just, We've always uh, done it that way. Yeah. We, they were trained a long time ago. And their goal is to just kind of maintain their job and maintain the way things were because it works, you know, or at least it works for them. So, you know, a lot of times there, when you start talking about a new process or a new way of doing things, some of these folks have seen 
the trends over the years and there's always a new something that comes out and sometimes they won't be excited about it or they don't want to do it because they're worried that they might lose their job or they might not be able to learn the new technology or the new process. So there, there will initially be a lot of resistance to it. Right. And trying to get that culture of constant change can be difficult for people to accept. Especially outside of the IT space, right? So we're used to new tools and new processes. They change all the time in the IT space. But when we look at the other parts of our business, they haven't changed as dramatically. Some places, not at all. So asking them to work differently is even more difficult for folks that are in parts of the organization that don't think about their work in a structured way, or as you said, they've always done it that way and they don't necessarily see a benefit. So addressing the what's in it for me from their perspective has been one of the most successful things I've seen. Is that part of what you do? Is that part of how you bring value to the organizations and in their transformation from what they used to do to what they know they need to do going forward? Yes. I mean, besides bringing in the technology, which is which is obviously important, conducting proper ongoing training is very important so that people learn the new technology. But but I think the number one thing that makes a company successful in, in implementing it is having buy-in from leadership and having it be a top-down cultural adaptation that goes through the rest of the organization. Like if you see leadership that is excited about it and is becomes a very important thing for them, and it's not just something they're doing because a bunch of consultants told them to do it. Like they, they genuinely believe it's good for them and good for the company. Then you will see better adoption from your associates. And I think the most important thing that you can convey is that, hey, you know, your role is going to change, but you have importance here at this company. And we're going to find other ways for you to create value. We just need to, you know, let you know that, hey, just because things change all the time or because you're not going to be in the same role all the time does not mean that you're going to be pushed out the door or forced to retire early. Our goal is to you know, make sure that we're able to constantly change and help you broaden your horizons as far as your skill sets go. And, and that's really the attitude you want to convey to your associates is like, here, here's what's in it for you. We're going to make you a, a more versatile person at the company. That way, your value to the company goes up and we're able to do more as a company. James, let me ask you a question. So we're going to have all these people listen to the show. A lot of people at businesses at different levels. Some are just at that point where they're ready to scale. Some are wanting to scale even further. You know, with all that you gave us here today, what would be the most important thing that you'd like to love and leave our audience with and just let them know that out of everything that you said, this would be the thing that they want to connect to and, and stick with? I would say that it's just as important to change your culture as it is with technology. We, we throw out a lot of buzzwords when we hear these companies talk about things. We talk about agile, we talk about scrum, we talk about DevOps, we talk about lean. And for, for people working at the company just to hear these words, that is not going to be enough for them to, to buy into it. To really have people buy into to some of these new processes is to, number one, show a track record that it worked. So you make sure to show some companies that have done it and have been successful with it. And also, it's important to have your leadership be the one who drives this change, that they live that change every day, and they're able to demonstrate to their associates the value in why we're doing it. Not just here's what we're going to do, it's here's why we're doing it and why this makes us successful. I love that, James. You're, you're absolutely right. Setting up that culture and having the leadership in place 
having leaders be authentic, especially taking on a, a servant leader role, which may take some time to prove that authenticity. And certainly the value that we have in our people and the focus on accomplishing our mission. And I loved what you were saying earlier about startup folks. They can get started with much lower amounts of capital, be much more flexible with how they allocate their resources because they don't have this sunk cost in a data center with servers and licensed software that has to be maintained and supported. I really love that part. And I think you've touched on the key parts. We need to look at how we work. We need to look at the tools that we use. And most importantly, that has to come within the context of a culture that will sustain that, especially when times get tough or when it feels like it's no longer the flavor of the day, but becomes a part of that DNA. So we continue to do it. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, Send Integrated, if if folks want to reach out to you, how is the best way for them to to reach you? I live here in Columbus, Ohio as well, too. So I also have a LinkedIn profile. Fantastic. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks, Jack. Thank you. Hi, this is Andrew Kingery with the Whitestone Consulting Group. In the next 60 seconds, I want to inspire you to be more intentional and effective at creating value. If you want to improve the way you lead others or influence behavior in others, it's helpful to understand these 20 laws that govern value creation. The first law is the law of people. And the law of people states that value is for people. There is a person on each side of the value exchange. This is important to you because people are not always logical. But they are predictable, so stop being surprised when people behave the way they do and begin learning to predict the way they will behave. Those are two very different approaches. The second law is the law of behavior. Unless a behavior changes, value is not created. This is important to you because you need to start looking at what governs behavior in people, and it's not knowledge. Knowledge alone does not change behavior. I'm Andrew Kingery, and this is Two Laws of Value Creation in 60 Seconds. If you want to learn more, head over to valuepractitioner.com. Standing on Shoulders, a leader's guide to digital transformation, written by Jack Marr and Carmen Diardo. On behalf of everyone who tries to improve the business outcomes of the technology work we do every day, I applaud the efforts taken and the writing of this book, so others can replicate their amazing outcomes. This book fulfills the promise of documenting their journeys and lessons learned and showing how the promise of creating world-class technology organizations can be within the reach of everyone. Gene Kim. Get your copy of Standing on Shoulders, A Leader's Guide to Digital Transformation at Amazon.com or at Barnes & Noble or at your favorite bookseller. So welcome to Digital Transformation with Jack Marr and Jay Mata. We have Hoda Alshami with us. She's a scrum master here in Central Ohio, and we're happy to have you with us, Hoda. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So Hoda, before we get started and you know, throw down the questions, can you explain to our audience what exactly is a scrum master? 
Scrum Master is one of the critical positions in the Agile. And the way I look at Scrum Master is the one who is responsible for creating and maintaining the high-performance team, the team that everyone uh, is engaged, motivated, see the value in the work they do, uh, create that safe environment when everyone can speak up, everyone can tell their opinion, everyone can ask questions, everyone can bring ide- their idea on the table. Scrum Master, it's someone who can lead organization changes. Most of the organization are moving into the uh, metrics reporting. So sometimes you have different people in the line reporting to different leaders, and sometimes they hear different message. And that's bring a lot of change, and that's bring a lot of confusion sometimes. So Scrum Master is the one who connect the dot, make sure like everyone on the same page, make sure like everyone get the idea and connect their objective. So you're kind of the team lead, right? You, uh, if we were going to use a sports analogy, you're the quarterback of the team. Exactly, exactly. Now in product-centric, Scrum Master is filling the gap of no manager in the ground because we used to be like all the team reporting to one manager and manager is always on the team knowing exactly what's going on. But now with the metrics reporting that's almost everywhere, you don't see your manager. Sometimes your manager remotely on another building. The Scrum Master is the one who makes sure like, you know, we get the work is done, everyone is happy, filling that big gap. So what are the types of programs that you work on or projects that you work on? So just let me give you a quick idea about the line that I'm working on right now. It's, it's responsible for the claim experience for our member. So in our line, I want to highlight this, it's only the system of engagement. So we have a big dependency on the system of record on other dependencies. We're responsible for the claims experience for personal line, commercial line from A to Z. Got it. Okay. I want to help folks understand too, you you mentioned a couple of words that mean a lot to me, but may be a foreign language for some folks. A system of record and, and system of engagement is a way that we can look at the systems that we use, the technology that operates our businesses. A system of record are those systems that are typically very complex and they represent the most sophisticated and intensive processing and information management that we do. So they're typically very secure and we pay a whole lot of attention to doing things exactly correctly. Whereas a system of engagement, we can think of as like a mobile app or a website where there's not a ton of complexity. There's not all kinds of complicated things going on and therefore we can be more expedient. It has a little bit lighter touch from a technology necessity perspective and we're able to be more flexible and creative with it. That's a great description. Yeah, so uh, my team is responsible for that, but believe it or not, for any more changes, it makes sense to happen in the system of record, but they always bring it up to the system of engagement, which make it very coupled. When you're going through the claims experience, if you can just paint a picture for us, as you mentioned... Yeah, so basically, if you run into an accident and you have an auto policy with us, so you want to submit your claim, you go to your, to the website and file claim, or you go to your mobile app. If you have the mobile app, you can start filing your claim. You need to enter all the information. Uh, you need to answer many questions, basically. Then uh, if you need a tow, tow truck, you would able to provide, uh, you know, provide information, what kind of towing I need, what you, you can get your assistant like roadside assistant on the side you can schedule a a shop appointment for estimate uh, then you submit your claims then uh, once you submit your claim you get confirmation about your claim number and everything uh, after like 24 hours you get 
you you want to upload like photos, you want to upload the estimate, uh, anything related to that. So it's really a full journey for the member once you file your claim until you get your claim paid out. We had a little fender vendor uh, a couple of years ago, and I had already filed with my carrier within minutes of the accident happened. Fortunately, nobody was hurt. It was just a little bit of uh, dented fenders and a little bit of rub paint. And we took pictures, we exchanged information, and everything was taken care of, I think, before the police even got there. So it's, it really is a great way and very different from those that have had claims experiences in the past either because the technology wasn't in place yet, or maybe their carrier hadn't started to use these approaches. So it it is a game changer. You need some help. Yeah, that's true. And if you look at it, like not only in the insurance industry, all the industry, it's all IT driven. And you'll see all the organizations starting to say, we are an IT technology company, which happened to have an insurance, or which happened to have a bank, or which happened to have a retail. So technology is a driver. They're changing the business model. Can you tell us a little bit about a time when you really had the ability to be very responsive? We know one of the things that companies sell the software for and the implementation processes and integrations is to be able to be very responsive to the market um, and be innovative. Can you think of an example where you guys were able to do that that would help uh, folks see the tremendous amount of improvement in their responsiveness, agility, and innovation? Yeah, sure. Actually, it's hard to pick one example because uh, we ran into this situation many times. But the one that came to my mind right now is uh, a couple of years ago when we have a big hurricane in Texas, uh, I think it was Harvey, the business came to us with the ask. Okay, so the question was, okay, uh, we have a business rule that we cannot allow our member to file a claim, more than one claim in 24 hours. And we have, you know, the, the journey or the, the flow to submit a claim. We ask many questions and we don't think people are in a good situation to answer those questions. So what we can do to make it like a, the best experience in our, for our member, as you mentioned, uh, it claims experience. And this is really when members need us. So the business came to the team space and said, hey, we have this problem help me solve this problem. So it was amazing because the whole team get involved, like everyone in the team, literally the developer, the tester, the requirement analyst, we get the business and we start whiteboard the problem and to think of what is the best solution for that. So uh, we whiteboard that, we have a couple points that we know that we need to work on. We know we have to work with with the legal because uh, based on the state, there is some question need to be to stay, some question we can omit them. We need to work with the agent. We need to work with our dependency system engagement. We need to work with our IRM, all those people. So we'll make sure like we have the right people in the room. Uh, some of them were in the building. That was easy for us to call before the meeting. Some of them were remotely. So we have to have to set up like Skype meeting. Uh, email chain went back and forth. And at the you know, midday, we said, okay, we know exactly what we need to do. Everyone agreed. The developers started hands-on on the keyboard trying to code that it changes. Um, the business people sit just next to them, uh, kind of, you know, minimum, okay, many show and tell. Do you like it this way or that way? Do you want to keep this question or remove that question? What is that? So by the end of, of the day, we were able to remove that business rule and allow people to uh, submit more than one claim for auto and property. And we were able to create kind of, you know, fast track for the claims. So instead of answering 
X amount of questions, you just need to answer those specific questions, then you're able to submit your claim and get status on that. Oh, that's so great. That, yeah, you, that was amazing. You went from the business identifies a problem in the morning, got your team together, whiteboarded a solution, came up with a couple alternatives, showed that to your business partners. They were able to choose the right one. And by the end of the day, you were able to update the way your app worked so that it better responded to the needs of your members and got them help more quickly and more easily. Is, is that a good summary of that? That's a great summary. Exactly what's happened. Great. That, well, that is great. That is great. Very efficient there. Right. Yeah, that's exactly the, the kind of story that we want to share. How technologies and these approaches together in a collaborative culture really drives the kind of innovation that will address the market needs right now and demonstrate your leadership in the marketplace and further cement your relationship with your clients and customers because you're there when they need you and you're resolving their needs in a way that is best and easiest for them. And that's a great story to tell. It's been great talking to you and talking about how we can use these tools as ways of driving innovation and and market responsiveness. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank Thank you you for having me. Thank you. Always, always good. Are you leveraging social media in your integrated marketing campaign? LinkedIn has the richest demographics on the planet, enabling you to connect with and build relationships with an audience that is probably looking for you. Let's use a laser focus and get right to the point. We can advise you every step of the way or even do it for you. Drive growth through high-quality personal relationships with your prospects and clients the way you've always wanted to. You can find us at standingonshouldersmedia.us or Click on the link in the show notes below. I, I love both of these guests here. James is really nice guy to talk to. Very you know, articulate. Again, very easy. Answered the questions. Didn't, you know, I liked when he was, again, me being the novice and, you know, the one who's not necessarily uh, privy to this language and this lingo. If You, you know, he really did take that time to break it down. You know what I mean? He said, you know, without, without sounding like he getting frustrated that I wasn't necessarily understanding what he was saying, he actually, he sounded very compassionate about it and be like, oh, hey, let me right. come this way. You know, I like that about him. Um, he really did a great job. I'm really looking forward to sharing this Hoda interview because she really brings the story home as to why we do these things and the responsiveness they were able to provide to folks in need in a incredibly complex technology landscape and in a highly regulated industry, what they were able to do is just amazing and really typifies the why we do these things. Now, was it just me, Jack, when I was talking to Hoda, it felt like there was, it's predominantly a male-driven industry. Does that, was I off on that? No, you're not off at all. And in fact, I've had some colleagues as we prepare for season two, take a look at the guests that we have. And while we have a wonderful array of folks that come from all over the country, very different and diverse backgrounds, 
but still, you know, we're underrepresented by females. And it's part of the culture coming from a very male dominated industry. But we're seeing that change. And and I love the fact that Hoda is in a position of basically being the quarterback. This has been Digital Transformation with Jack Marr and Jay Mata. We sure appreciate you spending your time with us today. Thank you so much.